0: My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. As many of you know, Hannah and I have been in the United States since October 14. We had planned to come back to the United States for two fundraising events and then return to Haiti in mid November. Unfortunately, on October 16, two days after our JetBlue flight took off from Port au Prince International Airport, an event happened that changed the calculus. 17 missionaries were trundling along a dirt road a little over a mile from our clinic and where we live in Haiti when they were stopped by the gang Katsun Maozo. They found themselves kidnapped. Suddenly, with this event, the world woke up to the kidnapping crisis that has been unfolding in Haiti over the past three years. Hannah and I were sitting in a restaurant in Atlanta when we first started getting text messages about what had happened. Perhaps this speaks to how normalized kidnappings had become, that Hannah and I were not really surprised or really even afraid when we heard it. We were accustomed to hearing about kidnappings every day. Yes, this was more brazen and included more Americans than usual, but it seemed like a natural escalation. It was not until I received the New York Times alert on my phone that I realized this was going to be different. Usually kidnappings are kept secret. However, this one was so large that the media quickly took the story and ran with it. As the hostages were held for days, and then weeks, and stretching into months, we saw that nothing happened. There was no U.S. intervention, no action on the part of the Haitian police. It hammered home that Americans were going to be targeted. What to do now? In broad strokes, we don't know. While in the past, the gangs knew I was practicing medicine and allowed us to work for the good of the community, the temptation of a high ransom may be too much right now. For the first time, we don't feel like it's right to go back to Haiti at this moment. We didn't even feel like this after the assassination of the president. But now, I would be surprised if we can return before February. It could be much longer. Quaribouquet is a dangerous city and a dangerous country. Should we step away from working in Haiti? I don't think so. We have worked hard for two years building relationships and working hand-in-hand with Dr. Lolo, Carmel, Perval, and Dr. Donald to create systems that work. Together, we have continued to build a clinic that runs well. The 53 Haitian staff persevere to work every day. We have been through a lot together. It might look different, but we feel a pull to continue to work with them and support them. To rewind five months ago, we had also left the country temporarily at that time when the president was assassinated. That was in July. And that was really challenging. We had not expected to need to leave, and so there were no systems in place to stay in good contact with the clinic. We felt disconnected. In some ways, this was a grace. We did need some time away. But when we returned to Haiti, we were determined that even if we left the country, we would never allow it to be like that again. So, we sat and discussed and researched ways to create connections between the U.S. and Haiti. First, we designed a conference room at the clinic, set up with an owl speaker and TV. This would allow us to have meetings together. Relatively, of course, this was an easy lift. The second aspect would be more challenging. We wanted to create a way to do telemedicine. As we started to mull over this idea, I frankly didn't know how my Haitian colleagues would react to this. I believe in having doctors on the ground and, if possible, Haitian doctors. Would they think that I thought my services were so important? I brought it up to my friend Dr. Donald and Dr. Lolo. To my surprise, they were ecstatic at the idea. We had all been suffering from a doctor shortage. As Bouquet had descended into chaos and violence, We had had a pediatrician, an internist, a gynecologist, and a radiologist quit their jobs and work elsewhere in Haiti. We had difficulty recruiting other doctors to work in their place. It usually went like this. The conversation would be going well until we told them in which area we worked. To add to that, the last three years have led to a massive exodus of doctors from Haiti. They are moving to the United States, Canada, Europe, anywhere they can find a visa. Telemedicine could backfill some of these holes. And Dr. Lolo immediately saw the logic too in using telemedicine to allow specialists to see patients in Haiti. We currently only have primary care services, pediatrics, internal medicine, gynecology. But often our patients need dermatology, neurology, or other specialties. It is increasingly dangerous for our patients to travel anywhere, much less the large hospitals in Port-au-Prince, to see a specialist. Given the aforementioned immigration of doctors, there is now only a small quantity of specialist physicians left in Haiti. Dr. Lolo saw that this was a route that we could bring American specialists to our patients. So, we set about creating a telemedicine system. When I say this, my American doctor friends will at times ask me, which platform we use? Now, a platform would be great, but unfortunately, the market for a Haitian telemedicine platform is essentially non-existent. Fortunately, over the last two years, we had done some of the groundwork that would allow us to launch this. We had gone through the challenging process of switching to electronic medical records. Now all the files were in our desktops at the clinic. Also, after more than a year of work, we had succeeded in hooking up reliable fiber-optic internet to the clinic. We hadn't done this for telemedicine, but it certainly made it possible. We had spoken with some other organizations that had done aspects of telemedicine in Haiti. One hospital sent their CT scans and difficult radiology reads to a U.S. radiologist to interpret. Another had subspecialists that could be called in case they were needed for a case, and they could video in. What we wanted to do was a step further. We wanted to simulate seeing a patient in Haiti from examination to charting to writing prescriptions. When I first tell people we do telemedicine in Haiti, they think that I'm doing it American style with patients calling from their homes. But remember that most Haitians have no electricity and no internet. That's not an option. I feel like we need another word for what we do. We have patients come to the clinic and then the doctor joins them over telemedicine in the consultation room. Here is how it works. We create a video connection by Zoom to an examination room. This allows me or another doctor to talk with a patient. Next is the challenge of connecting to the electronic medical record system at the clinic because it is housed completely on a local server. We use a free remote desktop app that allows me to control my clinic computer from the U.S. I can read and type in the electronic records without really any issue. We always have a nurse in the room with the patient. She can press on the abdomen or evaluate edema of the legs, and she writes the physical prescriptions that I prescribe. We next invested in a stethoscope that connects to a computer by a USB port. When it comes time to examine the patient, we switch the audio source on Zoom so that I can hear the heartbeat and lung sounds. We also purchased a video otoscope, which allows one to project ear and mouth examinations to the computer. When it comes time for this, especially in children, we simply switch the video source on Zoom. It gives a nice blown-up video of the tympanic membrane of the ear. If I need a closer picture of a rash than the computer camera, the nurse takes a picture and sends it to me on WhatsApp. I know all of this sounds like a hassle in a lot of steps, but it works. And quite well, actually. As opposed to American telemedicine, as a doctor, I already have vital signs to view because the patient was already triaged at the physical clinic. Whereas telemedicine in the States is often a glorified phone call, I can listen to the heart, the lungs, the abdomen... We can camera into the ear canal and the mouth. We can view rashes closely. The nurse can run over to the pharmacy to see if we are out of a certain medication. While I see patients Monday through Friday on telemedicine like this, we have an American dermatologist and a neurologist who have offered to try a day in January. In regard to seeing patients, telemedicine truly is about the same or or maybe even better than seeing a patient in person. I say maybe better because hearing sounds and seeing exams on the computer screen is often better than using an otoscope, to squeeze down the ear of a screaming infant. But one must remember that if you are a doctor working in a poor country, the actual act of seeing patients is, and and probably should be, only 40% of the job. In truth, other than in a dangerous time such as now, the act of seeing patients is the most replaceable part of your job. It can be done by a local doctor. Most of the time is spent working with your colleagues to design systems that work, to create a blend of American and Haitian systems. We've worked together to build a pharmacy inventory system, electronic medical records, birth control in the remote mountains, evaluation and monitoring for the nutrition program, and a vastly improved lab. It is possible to do this from afar, but it's much slower. You can't walk into the lab each day and talk with a technician. You cannot physically check which medications are in the pharmacy. Yes, I have multiple calls daily with my colleagues, but this can't replace being on the ground. No place will teach you flexibility like Haiti. I remember being in the U.S. and being able to plan to the day when we would move to Haiti. I can barely plan a week out in Haiti. I always think back to looking at the graph of my 401k plan when I worked at Piedmont Hospital in Athens. It had a nice little predictable graph to show you how much money you would have in retirement, 30 years in the future, only in America. There is no such nice metaphorical little line when living in Haiti. You must be able to change with the country, I don't know about 12 months in the future, but for now, this means telemedicine. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from Life Here. We are simply telling stories as we've seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history. And there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets. And we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.